Here at Believers Fellowship, we've been in a series on Sunday mornings called The Table. And The Table has been all about looking at Jesus and the times that he sat down and shared a meal with other people. We've been particularly looking at the meals in the Gospel of Luke and the times that Jesus sat down. And we've seen that every time Jesus sat down and shared a meal with someone, that we learn something new about Jesus. We learn something about who he is. We learn something about his kingdom. We learn something about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so for the past six weeks, we've been looking at that, and it's all been driving towards this Sunday morning, because this Sunday, we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 24, where Jesus shares his first meal with his disciples after the resurrection. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24 and the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You may have heard this story before, but it's Easter Sunday. It is the third day after the crucifixion. And the story tells us of two of Jesus' disciples, not one of the 12, but two of the other disciples that were following Jesus. One's named Cleopas, and they are walking away from Jerusalem to on the road to Emmaus. And they're kind of walking with their head hung low. They're, they're struggling with everything that they've seen happen in Jerusalem. They've seen the crucifixion. They, they have believed in Jesus and they've seen that he has died. And now they are kind of struggling with that. And the surprise of the story is that as they're walking down the road, mourning the death of Jesus, that Jesus actually joins them on their journey. They don't recognize him at first, but it's Jesus walking with them down the road. Let's read in Luke chapter 12. 24. I'm going to read verses 28 through 35. It says, as they, that's Jesus and the two disciples, but they don't recognize it's Jesus yet. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked on like he was going ahead, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is nearly over. So when he sat with them and stayed with them, he was at the table with them. He took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, the scripture says, and he gave it to them. And then verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And as soon as they recognized him, he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. In that same hour, they got up, they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the other disciples and their companions, and they gathered together, and they were telling them, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon Peter. And then the two disciples told them what happened on the road, and how that Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Can we pray together before we get into this word? Lord, I thank you so much that you have brought us together to worship you and praise you. I thank you for your death on the cross. I praise you and worship you for your resurrection and your victory over death. Help me this morning communicate your word and help us receive your word that we would receive it, walk in it, and be transformed by its truth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, I've been in this season lately in the past few and really all of us have been. Of we, We've noticed that the human race really is in this season of, of darkness, that we are, we are just 
covered by this cloud of sickness, of, of, of virus, and every day there's new news and we're seeing that deaths are increasing and diagnoses are increasing. And, and it can just kind of be this place of darkness that we're walking in. Um, I've even talked to people who are having to stay home a little bit more than normal and they're not able to, to see their family and their friends. They're not able to interact socially with people. And they've begun to struggle with depression. They, they've got this cloud of darkness over their own minds and emotions because they've been so separated from their normal life. And that's a pretty typical response that I've heard many, many times. And what keeps coming back to mind to me is this idea that we're all trying to figure out where God is in this darkness. That's the thought that I keep coming back to is, is finding God in the dark. Where is God in the midst of this darkness? And I, I kind of keep coming back to that as, as a pastor, as a Christian myself, and just as a, a husband and a dad, like, where is God in all of this? As a member of our community, where is God in all this? What is God doing? How, what's God doing in response to all of this? How is, how, how is God feeling about all this and just trying to figure out in this season of darkness, what, what's going on here? And that's just been a thought that I've come back to many times over the past couple of weeks. And I knew I was going to be preaching out of Luke chapter 24, but I had no idea how much this story would relate because these two disciples the story picks up in the early part of Luke 24. They're walking down the road and they're hanging their heads low. They're walking in darkness themselves. They are under this cloud of grief and depression because they have seen that everything that they have believed they, they saw it die on a cross. They saw it buried in a tomb. They had put their faith in this man who they believed would deliver their people and, and bring salvation to the nation of Israel and deliver Israel from uh, bondage and political oppression. And their hopes and dreams died with Jesus there on the cross. They've, been, they've experienced the trauma of the crucifixion. It was a traumatic event to watch that take place. It was such an awful death to die and to watch someone else die. And they're just walking in this their, their own cloud of darkness. And, and literally even on Friday when Jesus was crucified, the scripture says that the whole earth was covered with darkness. There was a darkness that took place on that Friday. And, it, and that darkness had kind of seeped into the souls of these two disciples as they're struggling with what really took place over the weekend. And we read this story of these two disciples. They're leaving Jerusalem depressed, broken, dejected because they had seen such awful things and the things that they had put their hope and trust in for so long, it seems to have all been in vain. They seem to, their dreams seem to have died right along with Jesus. And what I love about this is, and because I've been asking this question all along, is where is God in the darkness? Where is God in the midst of all this? And I love this is that we find in this story that Jesus joined them in their darkness, that he was right there with them. He never left them. He didn't uh, allow them to stay in that darkness. He didn't force them to walk that road on their own, but he joined them on their walk down the road through darkness. 
And even it's interesting, it says when Jesus first joined them on the road, it says that their eyes weren't opened or, or their eyes uh, weren't able to recognize who he was. There was even a darkness between them and Jesus. They weren't able to see Jesus clearly. They weren't able to recognize him for who he truly was. And even though they didn't know who he was, they weren't sure they believed what they, uh, they weren't sure they believed anything now. They weren't sure they believed in him anymore. Even through all of that, they, he still walked with them through their darkness. I just want to say that as a word of encouragement to someone that's listening or watching today, someone that's maybe a part of our church or maybe not a part of our church. Jesus is there with you in the darkness. You may not be able to recognize him. You may not understand what he's doing. You may not understand everything that's happened in the past or how things are going to work out in the future. But this truth of who Jesus is, is that Jesus never leaves you alone in the darkness. In John chapter 14, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't forsake you ever. He's never gonna leave you or forsake you. He's never gonna leave you in that place of darkness. And you might not be able to recognize that he's there or sense that he's there, but the truth is, is that Jesus is with you in your season of darkness. If you're struggling with fear, depression, anxiety, if you're struggling with worry about getting sick or a family member getting sick, if you have someone that is sick and they're in the hospital and they're in need. Jesus is there with them in that season of darkness. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He's still there. He's still with you in your season of darkness. He walks down the road of darkness with you, just like he did for these two disciples. And the scripture says that as they were walking, and when Jesus joined them, these two disciples, they had been talking about all that had happened to them and all that they had seen. And, you know, it, isn't it funny that no matter where you go or who you talk to, there's one topic of conversation right now. It's the virus. We all are talking about it. We're all asking questions. We're all sharing our stories. We're all talking about the meme we saw on the internet about it. We're all talking about the press conference we watched that day. And that just seems to be the only topic of conversation lately. And it's this topic of conversation that you know, sometimes it doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't seem like there's anything to look forward to. We don't know how much worse it's going to get. And we're just kind of, there's a lot of negative talk. There's a lot of uh, uh, pessimism that's going on in our conversations with other people. And I love that when Jesus joins them, Jesus doesn't correct them immediately. Jesus just walks through this with them and he listens to what they're struggling with. He hears their side of the story. He hears their fears, their, their worries. He hears their hurts. He hears their pain as they share this story with him. And he just listens for a while as he's walking down. And I want to say that as an encouragement to someone today, that Jesus hears you he listens to your cares. He listens to your worries and your fears. He listens to those things that you struggle with. And he doesn't immediately beat you over the head and tell you you shouldn't think that or you shouldn't do that. First, he absorbs your pain. He just receives what you're going through. He's the best listener there is because he, he will just simply allow you to unload on him what you're feeling and what you're carrying. He's that good of a listener and a counselor that he will just receive from you your pain and your burden that you're carrying and allow you to kind of uh, let that loose on him. And he's a big boy and he can handle it. And he doesn't get angry and he doesn't get upset. He just allows you to talk. 
He allows you to talk to him and tell him what you're caring about, what you're worrying about, what you're scared of or afraid of or, or, or what you're discouraged about. And he just listens. And I want to encourage someone today that take some time to just talk to the Lord. Take some time to just spend time with him. We sing a song sometimes around here called Have a Little Talk with Jesus. And it's, the line goes, we're gonna have a little talk with Jesus, uh, tell him all about our troubles, and he'll answer by and by. And, and eventually he will speak into those concerns. He will speak into those fears. He will speak into those doubts. But first he just listens. He just listens. And part of that is so important to have a God, a Savior, who will just receive our pain and our burdens and allow us to bring them to him. So they're talking a lot about the unknown. They're talking, they're talking to him. They don't realize who he is. They're still in spiritual darkness. They don't recognize him. They're still carrying burdens and fears. But Jesus is there with them listening to them. And that's where he is with you too. The answer to the question, where is God in the dark or how do you find God in the dark? The answer is he is right there with you. He's right here with us. He is with us in our pain, in our sickness, in our fear. He has experienced all kinds of pain. He has experienced all kinds of, of, of uh, issues in his body through the crucifixion. He has experienced your sin as it was sinned into him on the cross and he absorbed the punishment and the pain of your sin. He's experienced it all. Nothing surprises him and he is there with you in your darkness and he wants to be with you and bring transformation into your darkness. What's really interesting about this story is that when Jesus kind of goes along with him, he sort of plays dumb with them. He says, hey, what's going on? And why are you so upset? And why are you so discouraged? And they begin to tell Jesus the story of the prophet, the Messiah that they had followed, who had died and had been crucified by the Roman government. But then watch what happens. As they're telling Jesus the story of Jesus dying, they say, but some of our friends, some other disciples, they went to the grave this morning and Jesus wasn't there and they saw an angel and they believe that Jesus has been resurrected. They have heard the rumor that Jesus is alive and that Jesus has been brought back to life. They've heard the rumor, but they're still walking in darkness and in discouragement. They have heard that Jesus is resurrected. They've heard that Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave, but they're still not sure they believe it. As a pastor, my unprofessional, and I don't have the statistics to back it up, but I would suggest that maybe most people in America uh, are in that same kind of place. Most people in our nation have heard the basics of the story of Jesus, that Jesus was a son of God, that he was crucified, and that he was resurrected on the third day. They've heard the story, but the problem is, is there's a difference between hearing the story and believing and knowing that the story is true. And that's the difference, I think, for a lot of people is that they're walking like these two disciples down a road of life that is covered with darkness because humanity is covered with darkness at one time or another. And we all struggle with different things, sin and bad things happen and disease and sickness and death and all the things that can happen in life. And we walk through this life wondering where is God in all of this, not knowing he's with us the whole time. 
And then we're struggling because we've heard rumors, we, we've heard the story that Jesus is resurrected, that he's the savior of the world, that he's the answer, but we're not sure we really believe it. So many people are there right now. So many people that are watching or listening right now, you've heard the story, but you're just not sure you believe it. I wanna encourage you this morning, these two disciples were in the exact same place. They'd heard the rumors that Jesus was alive, that Jesus was the answer, but they're still struggling to be sure, is he really who people say he is? Is he really resurrected? Are things really that different? You know, I wanna just speak to whoever is maybe watching or listening or whoever's with us worshiping this morning that would say, Pastor Seth, I've heard the story. I grew up in church or I've, I've heard the story from friends and family. I know other people who say they believe it. I'm not sure I believe it. I, you know, I can't give a full defense in just a few minutes of why we believe the resurrection is true, but I, I'll leave it at this. The most uh, educated, academic, rigorously educated scholars out there would agree to five facts about Jesus. Not, re not religious people now, even historians who aren't religious, who aren't Christians, would all agree that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived in the first century, who had quite a large following of disciples, who was followed particularly because of his ability to do miracles, and that he was crucified by the Roman government, and that the people who came after him died proclaiming the message that he had been resurrected from the dead. Those five truths. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He had a large following. People believed he did signs, wonders, and miracles. He was crucified by the Roman government and his followers died preaching the truth that he had been resurrected from the dead. Those five truths are absolute historical fact. No historian would deny those five facts. That's true. That's not even just Bible true. That's just historically a fact. There is more evidence for those facts than there are. there is evidence that Julius Caesar ever existed. That's how sure we are of those five things. I understand that there's a next step of faith in saying, do I believe what those disciples believed when they died, believe, proclaiming that he was resurrected? There's a step of faith that you have to take there. But for 2,000 years of Christian history, uh, the disciples have continued to proclaim that message. And then I've seen so many Christians in my lifetime that their lives have been radically changed and transformed by this Jesus that they say they gave their life to and that they've de dedicated to following the rest of their life. And I just want to say to you, if you're struggling with believing the resurrection this morning, you're in good company because the disciples in the Bible struggled with believing the resurrection. And it's okay to struggle in that darkness for a moment because guess what? Jesus is there with you in the struggle. He has not left you alone. So what happens is they, they're talking to Jesus and they say they've had these experiences and, and they say that they've heard that Jesus possibly is resurrected and they still don't know that the stranger they're walking with is actually Jesus. They don't know that the one they're talking about is actually their walking with them. But what happens is that Jesus, after he listens, after he receives from them what their burdens are and he, he hears from them and he hears their, their cares and their worries, after all of that, Jesus begins to speak. And there's a truth in that, that after a while, 
You can bring your concerns and your cares to the Lord. You can bring those things that are burdening you to the Lord. But after a while, there's a time where we have to stop speaking and we have to start listening because the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your situation. He wants to speak into your grief, into your fear, into your failures, into your sin, into your darkness. And so where is God in the darkness? He's walking right there with you. He's listening to you, but now he wants to speak. Speak into your darkness. The resurrected Lord wants to speak into your situation. And Jesus begins to speak and he begins to share with those two disciples all of the Old Testament scriptures that he had already taught them before, but now they take on new meaning because he begins to share with them things like Psalm 22 about the suffering servant who was uh, uh, silent like a lamb as he was brought to be be sacrificed. He talks about Isaiah 53, where it talks about the Messiah being crushed for our iniquity and the wounds on his back uh, being inflicted so that we might be healed. And he begins to talk about those powerful prophetic scriptures of a coming Messiah who will redeem Israel. And he begins to share with them that the Messiah they believed in was still the Messiah they thought he was, but they just didn't realize that in order to gain the victory, he first had to suffer on the cross. And so he's beginning to uh, uh, share these scriptures with them. And, and it just as they're in the middle of the conversation, they get to the place they're supposed to go. And Jesus sort of pretends that he's going to keep walking and he waits for them to invite him in. They strongly urged him to stay, the scripture says. I think this is the next step for you if you're struggling with something is that number one, you, you take your cares to the Lord. If you're struggling with even believing who he is or that it's true, you take your care and your concern to him. You realize that, you know, maybe he just maybe he's walking with me through this darkness. You take some time to listen for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into your situation. And then what does Jesus do? He takes them to the Bible. He takes them to spend time in God's word. God's word is living and active. It is powerful. And it is uh, through God's word that we learn who Jesus really is. So if you're struggling with your faith today and you're struggling if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus or not, if you believe in following Jesus today, uh, if you're struggling with that, I wanna encourage you to get a Bible and spend time reading the Bible. And here's the deal. I don't want you to just go read one or two verses and say, I don't understand that and give up. I want you to sit down and spend time with Jesus in the Bible. I want to make this suggestion. Open up Luke's gospel. Open up. It's toward the end of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's the third book in the New Testament. And just begin to read Luke's gospel about the story of Jesus from his birth all the way to his death and resurrection. Do it in one sitting. Like sit down and read all 24 chapters. It won't take you very long maybe an afternoon, or maybe you need to split it up over a couple of days. But don't just read one or two verses. Spend time walking through the journey with Jesus and wait for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into your situation as you spend time with Jesus. Because here's what I know will happen. As you spend time with Jesus, like these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, eventually you'll begin to strongly urge him to stay. That as you spend time with him, you want more time with him. He becomes more real to you. 
And so that's what's happening. They spent time on the road with him. They gave his, their cares to them. They gave their concerns to him. He listened and then he spoke and he took them to his word and he showed them what his word had said. And then by that time, they're like, hey, I really need you to stay. Please stay with us. Please spend more time with us. And when you get to that point where you're wanting him more, you're wanting him more, that's when you have the encounter that they had. As they were sitting at the table, the Bible says that Jesus broke the bread, he blessed it, and he gave it to them. Here's the key. They had seen Jesus do this before. They had seen Jesus break the bread and break it into pieces and feed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. They had seen Jesus many times sit down to an evening meal with his disciples and share a meal with them and teach them. They had seen Jesus many times sit down and share a meal with people who weren't sure they believed in him, like Zacchaeus. And they broke the bread. And as they broke bread together and shared in table fellowship together, these people who were notorious sinners suddenly were overcome by the grace and mercy of Jesus as they shared a meal with him. And they saw just how incredible Jesus was around the table. And they were there that Thursday night before Jesus died, when Jesus broke the bread once again, and he shared the bread and the cup with his disciples. And he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And this blood is, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you. And it's the blood of the new covenant. And they, and that moment on Easter Sunday, when Jesus, not knowing it was Jesus, but he breaks the bread, all of a sudden, all of those memories flood back to them. They remember all those times they had seen him broken, break bread before. And they remember and recognize and realize who they've been walking with all along and that the resurrection really is true. The scripture says that he was revealed to them in the breaking of bread. There's a process that took place here. They were in darkness. Jesus came and met them in their darkness, even when they didn't invite him. They didn't even know he was with them, but he was there. He listened to their struggles. He listened to their cares. He listened to their burdens. And then he began to speak. And he spoke to them and he spent time in God's word with them. And as they spent time with him, they wanted more of him. And then as they really initiated relationship with him at the table, they realized who he really was, that he really was alive. He really had been resurrected. And they said this interesting thing. They said, were not our hearts warmed or burning as he spoke to us. There's this moment when you begin to really hear Jesus speak to your heart, when you begin to really sense the Holy Spirit drawing you closer, that, that there's this burning desire for more of him. It reminds me of the story of really my, my hero in the faith, uh, one that I, I read and, and talk about a lot, John Wesley. He was the 18th century traveling minister who founded the Methodist movement. He was a revivalist. He was a great preacher, a great writer. He, was, he lived during the 1700s, and he was actually a Church of England priest, but had begun to realize that just because he was a priest didn't mean he really had a real relationship with Jesus. So after really being in the ministry for over 10 years, he had not had that personal encounter, that salvation experience with Jesus. But on May 24th, 1738, he was at a religious society on Aldersgate Street, 
And as he, they were reading together Martin Luther's commentary on Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, it says that John Wesley, uh, he wrote in his journal, it says that as he was reading about uh, Jesus dying to save us, about how we are saved by faith in Jesus, he says, I all of a sudden realized that Christ didn't just die for the world, that Christ died for me as an individual, and that he desired relationship with me. And John Wesley writes this, he says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. He had that same burning heart experience that the disciples on the Emmaus Road had. And in that moment where he sensed the Holy Spirit drawing him, he sensed that warmth in his heart drawing him to a relationship with Jesus, John Wesley says that even though I've been serving and doing good works for a long time, this was the moment where I truly initiated a, res a relationship with the resurrected Christ. May 24th, 1738. Easter Sunday, A.D. 33. These experiences of people's hearts being warmed by the truth of who Jesus is and recognizing that the resurrection was true, is true, and that Jesus died for you and for me, and then he overcame death, hell, and the grave. So many Christians throughout 2,000 years of history have had that same experience of, of that moment where they felt the Holy Spirit drawing them deeper into a relationship with Jesus and convincing them that the resurrection is true, that Jesus really did die for my sins, but he didn't stay dead, that there is hope and new life because he was raised from the dead on the third day. That is the joy of Easter. That's what we're celebrating today. That's what I want you to celebrate. I wanna pray and just ask that if you have been one of those people that you're struggling in that season of darkness, I, wherever you are on the journey, maybe you've started to recognize that Jesus is there with you. Maybe you begin to pour out your heart to Jesus, but you haven't felt like you've received an answer yet. Or maybe the Lord is beginning to speak into you or you're spending time in the scripture and you're wanting more time with Jesus. Or maybe you've had that moment where you've sensed your heart burning for the Lord and the Holy Spirit calling you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Wherever you are, I wanna encourage you to go further down the road with Jesus today. And if you have never made that commitment, if you've never made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, to follow him, to walk with him, to be his disciple, to serve the resurrected Jesus, I hope today you'll make that decision. I hope I'll get to pray with you in just a moment for you to receive Christ and walk with him. I believe that as I'm speaking and as people are watching and listening, that there's someone, your heart is being warmed by the truth that Jesus really did raise from the dead, that the resurrection really is true, that the word of God really is true, that God loves you, so he sent his son to die a sinner's death for you, but then that that son, that Jesus, that God in the flesh was raised from the dead to overcome death, sin, hell, and the grave for you. And so if that's you, I want you right now as we pray, I want you to tell Jesus, hey, I wanna follow you, Lord, for the rest of my life. You are my Lord. I am convinced that the resurrection is true and I wanna live like I mean it, like I really believe it. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray for those. And then after we pray, I'm gonna encourage you with your family, wherever you are, to take communion together and have that meal. And I'm gonna ask that the Lord Jesus be revealed to you in the breaking of bread. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that whoever's watching or listening right now, that there's someone somewhere who has been drawn by the Holy Spirit to into a deeper relationship with you. And so God, I pray for those that have been struggling with their faith, struggling with believing the Bible, struggling with believing that Jesus really was raised from the dead. And God, I believe that you're calling people right now to into relationship with you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that don't know you and have never had a relationship with you, that today they decide to open their Bible, to spend time with you, to draw closer to you and to give their lives to you. And if you're listening right now, and I just want you to pray this prayer with me, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you were resurrected from the dead that you have given me newness of life, that you've given me a hope of heaven. And so God, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I repent of the way I have been living and I turn toward a life of living for you and following you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me, wash me clean, give me your new life and I will walk with you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We believe if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, that you just became a Christian, that you just were born again. You were given a second chance at life, an eternal life at that, that you have now had the opportunity to walk a life following Jesus and that one day we'll all spend eternity together with him. If that was you and you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you rededicated your life to Christ today, uh, where you had served him before, but you haven't been lately, if that's you. I would love for you to get in touch with us. Give us a call, uh, email us, whatever, however you can get in touch, comment, PM us on, on Facebook, but find a way to get in touch with us because I'd love to pray with you individually uh, and, and pray over your specific needs that you might have. Now, before we dismiss, I just want to encourage a family, or if you're by yourself, find some way to take the Lord's Supper together today, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so just, you know, we, if you're part of our church, we've gotten the communion supplies to you. If you're not part of our church, go find some bread and some kind of liquid. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be anything nice. It could, I mean, man, it could be Doritos and a Pepsi. It could be, uh, it could be a donut and coffee, whatever it is, but something that could remind you of the broken body of Jesus and the blood that has been spilled for Jesus. And I want you to receive that as a family and just spend time praying together. Ask your family members, are you following Jesus? Are you uh, committed to living a life for Jesus? And if not, are you ready to make that commitment today? Make sure that you're being intentional about asking that question. The resurrection changes everything. And if we have to walk in that truth that Jesus really did rise from the dead and that he is alive and he is alive so that we can be alive in him. And so God bless you for listening. God bless you for watching with us. God bless you for worshiping with us. We can't wait until we can be in this room together, worshiping together. We wanna invite you to continue watching and worshiping with us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m., online on our Facebook page or on our website. And then when we're finally able to get back together as a congregation, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person on a Sunday morning. We love you. If there's anything that Believers Fellowship can do to make life a little bit better for you over the next few weeks, please get in touch with us. We'd love to meet you and to get in contact with you. God bless you. Have a great, happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed.